this week we're getting into uh, our second part of our message series that we started last week that we're calling Break the Cycle. Break the Cycle. And if you weren't here uh, last week, you could certainly listen to that message on podcast. Or if you weren't here, maybe you listened to it already. But essentially, the idea of breaking the cycle is about breaking the, the lies that the in, breaking the cycle of the lies that the enemy feeds us in our lives, overcoming bad reports. And we talked a lot about uh, from Numbers chapter 13 about how when Moses is leading Israel into the promised land and they've went through the Red Sea, that they're at a point where they're scouting out the area that God is calling them into, the promised land territory, and they have to figure out how they're going to go in and they're going to conquer the enemies that are in the land that is really theirs to occupy, that is theirs to possess. And we talked about how the promised land is really a picture of our promised land, which is our purpose and our destiny for our lives. Game changers are people who are walking in the calling that God has for them, and they're making a massive of impact in this world. But listen, make no mistake, when you endeavor to walk in your purpose and in your calling, the enemy is not just going to lay down and let you walk right in and occupy new territory that he has for you. Part of walking in your destiny, guys, is that you are always consistently taking new ground, advancing and taking new territory away from the enemy in your life, and then you begin to occupy and possess that. Much like we see God in Mo speaking to Moses to lead the people of Israel into this area, take it away from the enemy and then possess it. And one of the things that we see that the enemy does, and, he, and we saw this in chapter 13 of Numbers, is that he oftentimes tries to feed us a lie or a bad report that will ultimately stifle us or prevent us from advancing further and taking new territory that God intends for us to have. So we essentially prevent our, it essentially prevents us from advancing forward and then we stay back away from land that we're very much intended to occupy by God in our purpose and in our destiny. And so we said that when, the, when Moses was headed out, he sent 12 spies. He sent 12 spies, one, from each, one person from each tribe, into the land to see what was going on. He wanted them to scout it out and bring back a report of what the area looked like. And so they went out for 40 days, and they did some recon, and they searched everything out, and they came back, and they came back with a report that was a lot different than what we might expect that they would have. Now, this is what is interesting. Remember the, cl the cluster of grapes? If you're here for the first time, you have no idea why there's this giant thing of grapes up here, okay? But if you're here last week, you know. Because part of what the Bible says is what the spies found when they went into this area, this territory, is they actually found a land that was, quote, flowing with milk and honey, which means gushing with abundance and with resources. And part of the thing that they brought back from the land that they scouted out was a cluster of grapes that the Bible tells us, I think this is a significant point of the story that we're building around here, is they brought back a cluster of grapes from the land that was so big that two men actually had to carry it back on a pole with them. So they saw a land flowing with milk and honey, 
Which, mind you, what did God say that he was going to do? He said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, and I'm going to bring you into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. So he described basically exactly what it was that they saw when they went into this area. So you think, hey, done. Locked and loaded, baby. We're good to go. Here it is, right? No. The report that they bring back to Moses and the rest of Israel is... The people in the land are too many. They're, they're giants. We're unable to conquer this area. Yeah, the land does flow with milk and honey, but there's no way that we're going to be able to go in and occupy or possess this land. So they actually bring back a bad report. They bring back a report that's actually one of death because it basically begins to destroy the very purpose and the very destiny that God has for their life to go into the promised land. So you understand what the enemy does with a bad report is, or a lie. Is he'll serve it up to us and it's not of God. So by nature anything that's not of God that's of the enemy ultimately attacks our God-given purpose in destiny. It attacks it with a vengeance, and it endeavors to stop the forward progress in the advancement of what God is trying to do in our lives. Is everybody with me so far? We're almost done with the recap of last week, okay? And so, and so they come back and they bring this bad report. But it's interesting because when you read that word bad report in the Hebrew it actually means like a, a word that describes like uh, defaming or slandering. Kind of give you a picture. It's almost like there, there's a courtroom going on and there's somebody that's lying, that's standing up and giving a lying, slanderous testimony against the person that they're trying to accuse of something. And they're bringing, it's a slanderous report. So what that means is a lie of the enemy or a bad report is ultimately trying to slander, defame what it is that God actually says about who we are and what he's able to do in and through us in our lives. So that's how a lie comes in and begins to attack our destiny and stop us from advancing if we begin to accept that lie. And that's exactly what the children of Israel do. They, they hear and see this lie, and I'm going to show you something, and this is really, really important. I hope you get a picture of this. Let's put that slide up, Jake, Dakota. You don't look like Jake. Holy cow. You're a different Jake. Dakota, can we get that slide up that shows the cycle there? No, the other one. There you go. Okay. So I tried to do this on the board last week, and then Katie told me that, you know, that took way too long, and then Lisa said, nobody can read your handwriting, it's too small. So we, uh, you know, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So we went ahead, and we went with a graphic. Now what this is, is this is a picture of a cycle, all right? And what I'm trying to submit to you is that the enemy does this, he feeds us a lie, and then a, a very... Uh, dangerous cycle can begin to build in our lives. So he feeds us the lie up here up top, and then we begin to speak the lie to ourselves. In our minds, in our thoughts, we begin, we begin to kind of embrace this. We begin to kind of speak it over ourselves, and then this thing builds up momentum, it builds up steam, and then we begin to turn around and actually profess that lie to others. See, that's what these 10 out of 12 spies did. They came back 
after they saw this lie, they began to speak about it amongst themselves. And then they came back to the rest of the nation and they gave the whole bad report in a very convincing way. Now, let me just say that they were very convincing because they were already convinced of it themselves. Are you with me? So this dangerous cycle goes through, and what happens is that as the cycle builds momentum, guys, is that it ultimately begins to solidify inside of us, and it actually becomes our new truth. The lie becomes our truth. Isn't that crazy? And then we begin to live not from a place of truth, holy cow, but from the lie. Yes, we, Jesus-loving Christians, can actually be living according to a lie as opposed to the truth that God's already died to set us free from. And as we begin to live that lie and it builds momentum, it begins to intensify and leads all the way out to a place of destruction in our lives. Listen to this. I think I might have read this last week, but I'm going to read it again. Numbers chapter 14. Jake, part two, Dakota. Uh, Numbers chapter 14, verse one. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land, flowing with milk and honey, to fall by the sword... That our wives and children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. They want to go back into bondage. They want to actually march back into slavery after they've just been set free of that very thing. Isn't that crazy? It seems so crazy. But can I just say this to you? That it happens in our lives and we don't even realize it. See, Jesus died to set you free of the bondage of sin once and for all. Like, the Bible says that God doesn't give the Spirit by measure. So you see, the Holy Spirit is in you when you receive Christ as your Savior and you're born again in full power and full authority. There is nothing lacking. He has broke the bondages of sin and death off of your life once and for all and for good. But what happens is, is that we begin to hear the lies of the enemy and then we go through this dangerous cycle and then a lie can begin to become our truth and then we actually march ourselves right back in to a place of living under bondage, ensnared by the enemy and his sinful tactics, and it begins to suppress the very God-given destiny and purposes that God is striving to see come through in our lives. Isn't that amazing? That's what the lie can do to us. And here's one of the things that's absolutely crazy, is that so is this thing of the lie intensifying, is that so much of the things that we see people really trapped in. JJ talked about depression this morning, you know, and we see so many people battling that and anxiety and, and, and all these terrible things, addictions, right? Listen, I would submit to you that much of the heightened picture of what we see of these terrible things played out in a very full, big way, all began in a very infancy stage of one little lie that the enemy served up 
that somebody bought and began to make their truth. You're powerless over this. You're nobody. Yeah, you, everybody hates you. Nobody thinks anything of you. You're a piece of you know what, right? And people begin to think that, spake that, and then they say that to other people whenever they're, and they profess this. And then they begin to actually live that lie, but it ultimately leads to greater and greater places of destruction in their life. Full-fledged addictions, full-fledged manic depression, full-fledged panic attacks and anxiety that start to manifest themselves out that I'm just saying to you that ultimately begin in a very small form that the enemy serves up as a lie to us about who we are and what our identity is and we break free from the truth and we begin to go through the vicious cycle of living the lie. It's amazing to me that the enemy actually plays such a small part in this. It honestly is. Like, he just serves us up the lie. We take the bait and begin to do all of the damage ourselves after that. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's flipping crazy, isn't it, James? Nuts. He serves us up this lie, and then we take it, and we begin to do most of the damage ourselves after that. And he just sits back. And loves every single minute of it. Because what he sees is a child of God who is not in touch, who is not connected to the real truth that he knows he doesn't stand a chance against. And that they're not living in faith according to what Jesus has already died for them to have. And he can keep them from advancing in their God-given purpose and destiny here on this earth. And if he can stymie that, then he knows that he is winning in whatever possible way he can in keeping children of God from becoming who they're meant to be. From becoming the game changers that God has created them to be. But, everybody say, but. There's good news. And that is, is that we can choose. We can live in a way, guys, where we can actually break this cycle before it begins to set in in our lives. We can interrupt this thing. We can stop this thing from building up this momentum and this steam in our lives and railroading us right into a place of living in bondage. If we stay in our authority, we can keep these lies that are going to be coming at us, these bad reports that are going to be served up to us. We can prevent them. We can break the cycle. Throw that back up there. Let's just leave that up there. We can break the cycle by interrupting that lie before it begins to, to build up the momentum and the steam in our lives. See, we have a choice. When you hear a bad report, the enemy's trying to serve you the lie. And a lot of times, this thing is the first thing we get. And so it hits us so hard that a lot of times we forget that there's actually another report that needs to be evaluated. That there's actually something else that needs to be analyzed. But the reality is, is that there's always another report. There's always something that trumps the lie. And what is that? It's the truth. The truth is right here in the written word of God. And so what we have to do is we have to, when we get served the lie, we have to, we have to cancel the lie and we have to fight against it with the truth. That's what we have to do. Much like in the courtroom situation. I want to do something for just a second. Kendall, you come up here for a second. Gary, you come up here for a second. Bernardo, you come up here. Okay, so Kendall, I want you to stand over there against the wall. You're going to be the judge. 
All right, Bernardo, you stand right there. You're the cool, you're the innocent guy. Gary, you come over here. All right. And so uh, you're going to be Jesus, okay, because you're perfect. Um, and then, Troy, you come up here. You get to be the devil. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So you take this. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to hand, so this is a courtroom, all right? This is what I want you to get a picture of. This is a courtroom. And so we know that a bad report is like a slanderous, defaming type of accusation that's going to, to prevent someone from becoming who they're going to be. So the devil serves the lie to Bernardo. And Bernardo's all of us, right? And Bernardo looks at the lie, and he has a choice of what he's going to do with it. So the devil's trying to lie in court. He's trying to accuse. He's trying to keep everything. There you go. Yeah, see? Man, good stuff, bro. Impromptu. I like it. All right. And so what Bernardo's going to do is he's going to put the lie down. Actually, just crumble that thing up. He's going to cancel that lie. But when you cancel the lie, you have to have a defense. He's going to grab the truth. Now, I want you to take the truth, and I want you to hand it to Jesus God love you, Jesus. <laughs> and then Jesus, I want you to take that to your Father God because Jesus is the mediator for us, right? He makes petitions for us before the Father. Take that over to the Father, the truth that Bernardo is claiming against the lie. And then I want you to make a judgment and I want you to throw the devil out of the courtroom now. Go! You gotta go. All the way out of here. The devil is gone. No, you don't really have to leave. It's okay. Come back. And, and you're a good guy. You're not the devil. Okay. So everybody grab your seats. Thank you for that. Give them a round of applause very much. And I want you to see that picture because, guys, that's how we have to do battle. We, we, have, to be, we have to combat the lie with the truth. And when we hear the lie... It's the truth that we begin to fight against the lie with. And that's how we interrupt or break the cycle from beginning to build where we start to speak it to ourselves. And then eventually we're professing it about ourselves to other people and it becomes our new truth. We prevent that from building up to becoming our truth by actually fighting back with the real truth. Right? And so that picture of the courtroom, I think, is a good picture for us to have in our heads. So let's look at what Caleb and Joshua do. Interesting. Two out of 12 spies come back with a different report. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it quieted the people. Now that's a really nice way of saying that he told them to shut up, shut it, right? And he came in and he and what that means is to interject or to interrupt. See Caleb heard a lie and as soon as the lie was coming off of their lips, he said, "Uh-uh, no, I am not going to have it. That is a lie." And I'm, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. And he interrupted it. But listen, he didn't just interrupt it or interject. He interjected with truth. Are you with me? What did he say? He said, no, we are well able to overcome it, for it is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. 
He repeated God's very words that God said to them and said to Moses about what it was that they were going to see. He wasn't just pulling something out of the air. He was actually professing truth that God had already spoken. And so when he interrupted the lie, he actually had truth to speak into the situation to break that cycle from happening in his life. And that's what we have to do. We have to come at it with a place, from a place of interruption or interjection. So my kids, they play this fun, you know, joke or whatever all the time. And I don't know if you've heard this one, but it's a knock-knock joke. So just play along. Knock-knock. Interrupting cow. Moo! You get it? Okay. Um, they think it's hilarious every time, let me tell you. But listen, you've got, kids, so you've got to interrupt the enemy spiritually, guys. You've got to throw a roadblock up. You can't let that thing begin to build momentum in your life. You can't let that lie linger in your mind. You know, one of the things the Bible talks about with sin, and this is interesting, is that sin starts as temptation. And temptation comes at us, and temptation is not sin. But when temptation comes and then we begin to harbor temptation to the point where it spills over into us actually acting on it, that that's when it becomes sinfulness. Interesting, isn't it? So when the enemy serves a lie up to us and he tries to get us to buy it, if we harbor that in our mind and kind of play it around and give it a place to sort of mingle up there in our thoughts... Ultimately, it's just a matter of time before that thing spills over into sin and the fact that we begin to live according to the lie instead of according to the truth. And we begin to go in a way away from what God has for us instead of what he actually has for us. Isn't that powerful? We can't let that thing linger. We can't let the lie hang out and make a place. We've got to interrupt that and we've got to put a stop to it and break that cycle by interjecting truth into the situation. But it's truth according to faith. We have to have faith in what it is that we're speaking, right? We've got to believe that truth according to the written word of God. We've got to interrupt that cycle before it starts. And that's what Caleb and Joshua did is because the truth was in them, this is really awesome, is that they not only interjected and spoke the truth in the situation, but the truth was so much in them, get this, that the lie actually stood out like a sore thumb when it showed its head. Isn't that amazing? When we're so full of the truth, guys, the lies that the enemy feeds us are so much more obvious for what they are. They didn't just speak the truth. They actually rejected and put a stop to the lie because they saw immediately what it was, which was bait and a temptation to bring the children of Israel away from their very destiny and their purpose in this land. That's amazing to me, is that they were able to identify a lie because the truth was so in them, and then they rejected the lie and they spoke or interjected truth into that situation. And that's what we have to do. Throw that other slide up now. So this is, this is starting a new cycle. We hear the lie, but then we begin to speak the truth, and then we live in victory, so that lie actually never makes the loop. It never goes around the cycle, right? And that's what we have to do. <clears throat> you remember that cluster of grapes, right? 
why did 10 out of 12 of the spies buy the lie? I've actually thought about this a lot. Like, why did 10 out of 12 of them buy the lie when they saw this very thing? I'm just going to give you what I think. I think, for one, the truth wasn't really in them. I think the truth wasn't really in them enough, right? The, the, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, guys, it's by, rece- it's by reading the word and, and hearing the truth that it actually builds a, play, a, a substance of faith inside of us. And when that's in us, then we can actually live from that place of faith. And I think that there's a, a reality here that the rest of the spies, 10 out of 12, simply didn't have the truth in them. It wasn't down in there. But this is another thing that I thought about is that 10 out of 12 is basically 84%. That's an overwhelming majority, right? 84% of the spies bought the lie, believed the lie, lived the lie, even though the truth was really right in front of them the whole time. I think that speaks to how powerful and strong the sway of our human nature is to go toward the things that are of the enemy. The flesh is always leaning, is always pulling us in a direction that's away from what God is speaking. And we have to understand, that's why it's so important that the truth be so strong in us because the spirit has to rule the flesh. The flesh is gonna wanna have its way. It's gonna wanna believe the lie. It's gonna wanna succumb to temptation. It's going to want to go against the things of God. But our spirit man being strengthened and strong by the truth, by the word of God, gives us that position to stand on that we can begin to say, no, I'm going to interrupt what the enemy's trying to do, and I'm going to move forward in a place of faith. Only two out of ten did that. But do you know what the Bible says about those two out of ten? It says there was a different spirit in them. Interesting. When God was speaking to Moses, he said there's a different spirit in them. So there was something different about what was inside of them than there was about the other ten. Are you with me? So our solution for breaking the cycle, guys, is that we have to have the word and the truth in us so much that the lie is obvious and the truth is our weapon. And then it begins to break the lie and it begins to write a new story, which is God's story for our life. And that we don't live according to anything that the enemy has to bait us with. His lie. Cancel the lie and walk in the truth. Amen. And listen to this. This is really cool. Listen to the outcomes of all this. So after all this happened, you know, Joshua and Caleb make this strong case about the truth. And ultimately... um, the, the 10 out of the 12, they're so convincing to the rest of the people of the nation that ultimately the entire population of the people decide that they're not going to, to go into the promised land. They can't do it. They're not going to. They believe the lie with the 10 out of 12 spies. And so what ultimately happens, I want to read these things to you because it's powerful. In Numbers chapter 14, verses 20 through 38. So Moses is pleading with God. And God and the Lord said, okay, I've pardoned them according to your word. But truly as I live, the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord 
because of all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these 10 times and have not heeded my voice. He's saying, I've parted the Red Sea. I've spoke to them what I'm going to do, and yet they still don't believe me. They They certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites, the Canaanites that dwell in the valley, tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Pause for a second. So this is the point where God determines that they're going to spend 40 years now in the wilderness. They were ready to, do you see this? God was ready to take them into the promised land right here, right now. But because they bought the lie now and they don't want to, they're not going to walk according to the truth, this is where God determines that they're going to spend the next 40 years in the wilderness before they go into the promised land. And he says here, going further, verse 26, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb and the son except for Caleb, the son of Yapuna, and Josh the son of Nun, Joshua the son of Nun. You shall know me by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness." According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed and they shall die. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Yapuna, remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. So the 10 out of 12 lying that bought the lie, they died. They dropped dead right away from the plague. The rest of the entire nation that was 20 years old or over would die in the wilderness before they would go into the promised land. None of them would see their destiny. The children from 20 and under would all be the ones who actually passed into the promised land after the 40 years had passed. But there were two, two men who actually walked into the full destiny that God had spoken to them. And it was the two men who believed the truth and didn't buy the lie whenever the enemy served them up that lie to keep them from going into their full purpose and destiny. And it was Joshua and it was Caleb. They interrupted the lie. There was truth in them, guys, and they spoke that truth and they canceled the lie. You know, Joshua went on to become one of the greatest leaders of Israel. Moses never went into the promised land. He died up on Mount Sinai. 
and Joshua led the people across the Jordan into the promised land and became a general, became a great leader, and the people respected him and admired him the same way that they did Moses. Joshua was a man of truth. And Caleb, this is awesome. Guess what, guess what happened to Caleb? This is going to blow you away. He ends up 40-something years later actually inheriting the land that they spied out the area that they had a that the other spies had a bad report for. Listen to this. You got to go all the way forward to Joshua chapter fourteen, verse six. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua. This is when Joshua is ruling, right? And they've begin to move all of the enemies out of the land. And Caleb the son of Yapuna, the Kenizzite, said to him. You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed me, the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both going out or for coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Eupona as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Eupona the Kenizzite to this day. Because he wholly followed the God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath. I don't know if I said that right. Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. And the land had rest from war. I just think this is absolutely unbelievable. Caleb stood in truth for 45 years. What does that say? Guys, when we really hear the word of the Lord, when we really get the truth in us, it doesn't get out. It stays. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, it says, Wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding. And not only does the truth stay in Caleb for 45 years, he says, I'm as strong this day as I was when I first heard that word, and I'm ready for battle now just like I was then. You know what he's saying? He's saying, this thing has intensified in me. This truth has grown in me. There is no weakness. If anything, I'm further in this thing than I was 45 years ago when the Lord first spoke it. You see, the Apostle James, he says something. I'm going to close with this. He says that we need to receive with meekness the implanted word of God. The implanted word. 
See, implanted means that something that actually gets in us begins to grow roots and actually grows up inside and produces fruit. How powerful is this? This is exactly what's happened for Caleb over 45 years. The truth got in him and it grew and it got stronger and it produced fruit in the sense that he lived against the lies of the enemy steadfast and consistently and lived according to the truth in him spoken by God which only got stronger and stronger and stronger as time went on. Guys, this is the life that God has created us for. He's created us to live from a place of truth. And as we move forward, our resistance and our defense, our attack against the enemy should only get stronger and more intense and more furious with the way that we are pushing the enemy back and and canceling his lies and living from a place of truth that is constantly growing and bearing more and more fruit in our lives the way God is calling us to live. Amen. Stand to your feet with me today. You know, maybe the enemy is really feeding you a lie right now. Maybe you've even started to chew on that thing a little bit. I mean, maybe you can say, you know what? I've went the full-blown cycle, Pastor. I've been, I've been living according to the lie for years. Wherever it is, really, doesn't matter. It's all about what you do from here. God has truth for you, and His truth is always able to overcome whatever lie that the enemy has, has sold you. Better yet, the truth of God is able to uproot the lie in a moment. See, the word of God is so powerful because it actually deconstructs the lies of the enemy. And at the same time, it begins to reconstruct a new truth inside of us. That's what the word of God can do. And so if you've been hearing the lie, living the lie, whatever it is. Let me ask you a question. Where is the cluster of grapes in your situation? Because I know this. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what it is that the enemy's trying to do to you. But I do know this, that God is very much there with you. And that the, the evidence of his goodness and his faithfulness is there around you if you will look and you will see it. Begin to build your faith upon the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God that you already see and have seen in your situation. Jesus set us free. He broke the bondages of sin and death off of our life. He's died for us to live a life of fullness and of victory. Start from that place. Let your faith rise up and build from the truth of knowing that, you know what? You may have this flesh, this, this human nature that pulls you in the wrong direction many times like we all do. But you know what? We actually have God's nature living inside of us. Let's begin to live according to God's nature, not the flesh nature. And let's begin to live out the truth, not the lie. That's why the Bible says we're to walk in, by faith, not by sight. 
Walking by faith means that you're living from what's inside of you, not from what you're seeing outside of you. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name today, I just pray, God, that there's anyone here right now, Lord, that is being attacked and being served up lies from the enemy. You know that. You know who they are. You know what they're going through. Wherever they're at, God, if they've even been living according to the lie, if that's you and you turn your heart to Jesus right now, I just ask in Jesus' name, God, you would pluck that thing up by the root. You begin to break that thing down. You begin to reveal that thing like a sore thumb to them for what it is. Lord, and just begin to deposit a measure of your truth in them about who they are according to your word. Greater are you in them than he that's in the world. Lord, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. That you shall supply all their needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That you've not given them a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God, help them to see who they are according to your word. Deposit truth and help them cancel the lie. Interrupt the cycle, break the cycle, and begin to walk in a place of victory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, hallelujah.